0: This week in KMA Land, Page County gets a federal boost. Petition Drive seeks Page County's board expansion. Alcohol sales are approved for the next week's Star-Spangled Shenandoah events. The Shenandoah Council ratifies water and sewer rate hikes. The Sydney Council creates a city administrator position. And Montgomery County residents, remember, a friend to everyone. Good morning, I'm Ryan Matheny in for the vacationing Mike Peterson with our weekly look back at some of the top news stories from around KMA Land. We start in Page County, where an upcoming Page County bridge project will be the recipient of a large federal grant. Page County officials learned this week that the Essex North Bridge on D Avenue has been awarded a raise grant from the U.S. Department of Transportation. County engineer J.D. King says the grant provides significant funding for replacing the aging bridge that was built in the 1940s. That's
1: going to bring in approximately $3 million in bridge money for the county. By now it's estimated at $3.7 million million dollars for this four hundred and fifty four foot bridge, length uh, 30 foot wide. It's uh, a sister to the bridge that's we're building in west of Essex.
0: Originally one of 12 bridges under consideration for the grants in Iowa, the Page County project was one of nine projects chosen to receive the money. King says plans call for a bid letting in the fall of 2024. The tentative
1: schedule for this would be Let it in the fall of 24, not this fall, but next fall, and build it over the winter like we're building the one in West Texas.
0: King says the raised grant is just one of the numerous supplemental funding sources the county's utilized for bridge replacement. He says typically the county has between $650,000 and $700,000 in bridge money before grants. We've
1: got $2 million for the Shamrock Bridge. This was uh, the county bridge construction fund back in 2016-2017 and uh, after that we got a million dollars from the City Bridge Fund for the Clorinda Bridge east of town here. We picked up another $295,000 as a part of uh, Braddyville's culvert there West western town.
0: King says the grant money has helped the county continue catching up on replacing its aging infrastructure.
1: CHBP money up on 20 uh, About $355,000 there. Got another million dollars in city bridge fund for the Essex job. This one is 2.96, so my addition is good. About $7.6 million in extra bridge money we've been bringing to the the county in the
0: last several years. Other projects slated to receive the grant in Iowa are in Clay, Lucas, Crawford, Lee, Pottawatomie, Wright, Henry, and Mitchell counties. Meanwhile, some Page County residents want to expand the number of county supervisors. Organizers are circulating a petition around the county calling for a referendum on an upcoming election, increasing the board's membership from three to five members. Page County Auditor Melissa Wellhausen tells KMA News the November 2024 election is the earliest such a vote could take place. However, Wellhausen says the petitioners must submit their documents with at least 517 signatures no later than 82 days before that general election. That
2: actually is filed with the Board of Supervisors and then the Board of Supervisors has to file it with the county auditor not later than 69 days before that general election date and that would then place it on as a public measure on the 2024
0: general election ballot. If enough signatures are gathered, the question and the question passes in 2024. Wellhausen says a redistricting commission would have until December of 15th of 2025 to split the county into five equally populated districts. Then she adds all five supervisor spots would be up for election or re-election in 2026.
2: five board members would then be placed on the ballot in 2026 on that general ballot in 2026, and then two terms would initially be for a two-year period, and then three terms would be for a four-year period. And the terms of all three incumbent supervisors would expire on the date that that five-member board becomes
0: effective. While the five supervisors would be required to reside in the respective districts, willhausen adds that all voting would be at large under their current election plan.
2: So currently we are a plan two, and so that means that The individual has to live in that specific district, but they can be voted on at large by basically the entire Page County residents.
0: For the individuals helping to organize the petition, copies can be found at Bank Iowa, Whip Sales and Service, Snyder's Auto Body and Paint, and Johnson Tire and Muffler, all in Clorinda, and Lewinow's Nishna Valley Cafe in Shenandoah. Spectators attending Monday night's fireworks show at Sportsman's Park in Shenandoah can purchase alcohol. By unanimous vote this week, the Shenandoah City Council approved the forum to revitalize Shenandoah's request for a temporary exclusion of the city's ordinances regarding public consumption in the park July 3rd. The move allows Tipsy Gypsy to sell alcohol in a restricted area of the park during Star Spangled Shenandoah activities, including the fireworks show later that evening. Councilman Kim Swank is the city's liaison to the Shenandoah Park and Recreation Board. considerable discussion, Swank says the park board agreed to allow alcohol sales provided certain controls are in place. For sure
1: they did not want the alcohol to be brought in by the public if there's somebody with a licensed dealer, but they kind of like to see it restricted in an area and the ID's checked and like bands like a beer garden or something we like that. We have all that in place. Okay. They just don't want it running all over the over the things because is a family thing down yes.
0: there. Forum secretary Stacy Truex agreed saying plans call for alcohol to be sold in a designated area. Down at Sportsman's we're gonna be utilizing the area where the gazebo is. So we're gonna have a food vendor and then Tipsy Gypsy from Clorinda. She is fully licensed and insured.
1: She has a million dollar insurance policy as well. We are going to have people that are going to be ID'ing, putting on wristbands. We are going to have it sanctioned off so people
0: can't just come in and out. Other plans include placing a musical stage and craft vendors near the park's tennis courts. Activities at Sportsman's Park begin Monday at 5 p.m. and she adds the forum group won't profit from the alcohol sales. When
1: I normally organize these events, I give the vendors at least a year in advance to schedule things. So this is just kind of a freebie
0: event for the vendors that'll be there this Saturday and then they can come on down, join in for free. So there really isn't a proceeds from to the forum from that event on Monday. However, Truex adds proceeds from Saturday's pie auction during the events at Priest Park will go to a local nonprofit agency to be named later. Well, in other business this week, the Shenandoah City Council unanimously approved the third readings of proposed water and sewer rate increases. Council members then unanimously adopted the new rates, which entail 1.5% increases in water rates each year over a three-year period, as well as an 11% increase in sewer rates next year and 10% hikes for the following two years. Speaking on KMA's Morning Line program this week, Shenandoah Mayor Roger McQueen says information presented by city officials helped calm people's concerns regarding those rate hikes. I
3: think, you know, it's just a matter of uh, people coming to the public hearings, coming to the meetings, and then the information that we got out to them. So they, they understood that this wasn't going to be a great big price hike on this, and, and it was absolutely necessary to uh, Shenandoah to continue to be able to uh, provide, you know, good, clean water.
0: McQueen declined speculation on whether further water and sewer rate hikes will be necessary three years from now.
3: No, well, I guess if things go good the next three years, you know, we'll, we'll see what position we're in there. But we definitely do not ever want to get back to the way we were and, uh, you know, suffering from uh, financial deficit as far as like when we had to do the water plant. So, uh, you know, we'll take a look at it at the end of this three years and see. Uh, where we're we're setting. But if we can continue to do just very, very minimal increases and not ever have to do a 20, 30, 40 percent increase, I I think we'll be further ahead.
0: The mayor says engineering work continues for construction of a new wastewater treatment plant, which will replace the current six decades old structure. Proceeds from the sewer rate hike plus a $2 million USDA grant and loan from the USDA's water and wastewater disposal program will cover the cost of the new plant's construction efforts to establish a new city clerk and administrator position in sydney move forward this week In meeting in the regular session the sydney city council unanimously approved the third reading and adopted an ordinance establishing the new dual role since 2016 which was the last time the city had an administrator the mayor has served in the administrative role however earlier this year the city council asked mayor ken brown to step down as acting administrator due to tensions with the city clerk's office and a code of conduct violation earlier this month the council also unanimously approved a motion of no confidence in the mayor and requested a voluntary resignation reading from the ordinance councilwoman Ann Travis outlined the general powers and duties of the position the
1: clerk shall administer the opening operating policies established by the council and make recommendations to the council for improvements to policies and procedures when deemed appropriate supervise employees The clerk should supervise and coordinate the activities of the city, employees, and departments except for fire and departments.
0: Additionally, the individual would supervise purchases of all supplies, materials, and equipment without prior approval of the council so long as the price does not exceed $500. Additionally, Councilmember Don Benedict suggested a wage of $25 an hour, which was what the city budgeted for. However, City Attorney Bree Sorensen suggested advertising a range based on experience, which is typical practice. Benedict also suggested a special council meeting to interview the candidates.
2: So the council is responsible for the appointment of the administrator clerk, so I
1: think we'd have a special meeting with the entire council and uh, and the, with the uh, candidates, the, the potential candidates for hire. Council, I think, should, should be the ones to interview and decide.
0: Sorensen added that the candidates can request a closed session interview city officials have previously stated continuity in a supervisory role is one of the reasons for establishing the dual position. However, the approval came despite some pushback from at least two residents. Speaking before the council's vote, Martha Brown says there's a conflict of interest with the ordinance between Benedict and his wife, Brenda Benedict, who serves as the city's deputy clerk. She says that Brenda would report directly to him and other council members in the absence of the city administrator and clerk.
2: No matter how a person denies it or stated intentions are, the judgment and decisions are gonna be clouded by the relationship to the deputy clerk and to two of the city employees. And I realize
1: one is, is a seasonal employee but one of them is a a permanent
0: employee. Brown also stated she was concerned with Benedict's input on the discussion and previous votes on the issue, believing he should have abstained regarding the potential conflict of interest. Once the ordinance is published in their official paper and becomes law, the council plans to advertise for 10 days, which Sorensen adds the minimum requirement by the state's veteran preference law. Further discussion, but no action on repairs to a rail spur took place at this week's Montgomery County Board of Supervisors meeting. Last week, the supervisors discussed uh, the Montgomery County Development Corporation's proposal for financial support. From the county for a repair of a Burlington-Northern Santa Fe railroad spur stretching between Bungie and the railroad's main line, MCDC Executive Director Steve Adams says his organization recently received updated bids from Ameritrack Rail on the proposed project. He says company officials propose the county and Bungie share in the project cost. He adds the company views the project as a one-time expense for the county to bring the spur up to BNSF standards. Adams echoed previous concerns over losing control of the spur should the county balk at repairing it. Look around the
1: county. Do we have another industrial park? Do we have another rail spur connected to the Burlington Northern Main Line? There are only 13 of those in the entire state of Iowa. We're one of those 13.
0: The supervisors are expected to take up action next week. Still to come on This Week in KMA Land, Montgomery County mourns a former sheriff. All that and more after this. You're listening to This Week in KMA Land. Welcome back to This Week in KMA Land. Montgomery County residents this week mourn the passing of a beloved law enforcement official. Funeral services took place on Thursday this week for former Montgomery County Sheriff Joe Sampson, who died Sunday at the age of 67. Sampson served as sheriff from 2009 until his retirement in December of 2020. An Elliott native, Sampson began his law enforcement career serving as a military police officer in the U.S. Army during the Vietnam War. He then joined Griswold Police in 1977 and served as an officer before becoming chief. Sampson joined the Montgomery County Sheriff's Office in September of 1992 and worked as a road deputy, a civil process deputy, jail administrator, and first deputy until becoming sheriff. Sampson was among the backers of a bond issue for construction of a new law enforcement center and jail project that was approved by voters in 2010. In a 2012 Meet the Candidates interview with KMA News, Sampson says his job as sheriff wasn't finished, though the new LEC was. We
4: started on the jail last time when I first started my first term, and I'd like to finish that job out. There's a lot of things left in Montgomery County to get done. And basically, I just enjoy my job. I love doing what I do.
0: During his tenure, Samson dealt with many challenges facing law enforcement. In a 2013 interview, he said about 5% of the inmates occupying his jail are mentally ill, forcing jail staff members to deal with a variety of issues. The
4: state does an excellent job of training the staff to do with what they can with these people, But they bring such a wide range of problems with them as far as their medication, their mood swings, their bipolar. Of course, you have to keep them segregated, which that takes up extra sp- cell space and a lot of times they don't want to harm themselves and one minute they're halfway normal and the next minute they revert back to childhood.
0: Samson's successor Sheriff John Spinago, worked with Samson for 22 years including 12 years as his chief deputy. Spinago tells KMA News he appreciated how his predecessor passed on his law enforcement knowledge.
4: Joe put a lot of trust in me and he really allowed me I guess the knowledge he let me know early let me get into things to get to where I am now when, when he retired. And so the transition was very easy for me and I and I owe all that to him.
0: Spinagle says Samson was a friend to everybody. He
4: was fair to everyone and, and really didn't know a stranger. So I think that the community put a lot of trust in him, which, you know, in, in this, line of work that is something that we we definitely need and and still continue to need and i think he did a very good job with the public as far as listening to them in this line of work we don't make everybody happy all the time but i think joe did his best to try to do that
0: he had Sampson was knowledgeable in jail operations and the civil process iowa senator chuck grassley made the rounds in kma land this week iowa's senior senator stopped in the montgomery county ymca as part of his 99 county tour throughout the state and talked with residents and attendance on several issues, ranging from the 2023 Farm Bill and Waters of the U.S. to immigration and bipartisan cooperation. In regards to efforts on the upcoming five-year Farm Bill, the New Hartford Republican says he does have a couple of priorities as the Senate Ag Committee continues to formulate the legislation. What
2: I hear from farmers most about is cheap crop insurance, and I don't think there's any problem with that. <clears throat> I'd like to get a provision that I've been trying to get in Farm Bills for a long time, 10% of the biggest farmers get 70% of the benefit from the farm program and I'd like to put a cap on it so we can target it towards medium and small sized farmers.
0: Residents and attendants also raised concerns over the foreign ownership of farmland in Iowa and the U.S. Legislation's been introduced on both sides of the chamber including the Foreign Adversary Risk Management or Farm Act in the house. Additionally, Grassley believes the U.S. Department of Agriculture should be a part of the commission on foreign investment in the U.S. So
2: when this involved farmland and national security, I think we need to have the Secretary of Agriculture who can be a member but not a permanent member of this Cepheus Commission so that we have an oversight of everything that deals with food production because food production is related to national security.
0: Some residents also aired concerns over lawmakers' lack of cooperation in handling the US Mexico border. However Grassley says laws on the books would handle the situation if enforced correctly.
2: We don't have to pass any more laws to do that. It's illegal to come to America without our permission. And but we pass laws, and you've heard me say it in other areas. The president enforces the laws. And he's not going to enforce that law. He believes in an open border. You'll have to ask him just exactly why but he's not enforcing the law. That's why you see five or 6,000 people wade the river every day to get here.
0: During a stop in Clarenda this week, Grassley turned his attention to the continuing investigation into Hunter Biden's business dealings. Specifically, Grassley seeks information redacted from Form 1023 regarding an alleged bribery scheme between Hunter Biden, then President, Vice President Biden, and a Ukrainian businessman. I
2: wanna make that document public. It's, un- it's unclassified. The FBI is making it tough to do. Comer was going to uh, subpoena it and did. And then the FBI said, well, can't we just bring the document up to the Hill and let your members of the committee read it there?
0: While saying he read the document's unredacted version provided by a whistleblower, Grassley claims members of the US House Committee on Oversight and Accountability received a copy with two lines regarding the alleged phone calls removed.
2: I go to the Senate floor and give a speech and tell the world that I read this document talks about 17 phone calls, two between Vice President Biden and 15 between Hunter Biden. Now then the press asked me, do these phone calls, have you listened to these phone calls? No, I, I don't even know where they are. I just know that this document Uh, has reference to him, and what's the FBI doing to follow up?
0: Grassley calls for accountability from the FBI and the investigation.
2: But it looks to me like they're trying to cover up stuff when they strike out the two lines that refer to the phone calls between the vice president and this guy, et cetera, et cetera. So I want to get this document released so you can read it. Not just
0: me. Grassley also appeared at events in Glenwood, Corning, and Mount Air during the two day swing through KMA land. Page County officials are seeking ways to pay for needed repairs at Pierce Creek. Page County Conservation Board recently held a special meeting to discuss the status of the county's American Rescue Plan Act funds and other conservation funds available to cover extensive concrete repair and tree removal on and around the dam at Pierce Creek. At the County Board of Supervisors meeting earlier this month, County Conservation Director John Schwab had requested to use the remaining amount of $200,000 in ARPA funds informally set aside for the conservation to conduct the repairs. However, Supervisors Chair Jacob Holmes currently wants to allocate unused ARPA funds to the county roads. And the board chose not to fund the repairs. While well, understanding the need on the road, Schwab tells KMA News he was disappointed in not being able to use the funds they had initially thought would be available. After spending roughly $120,000 at Pioneer Park and Rap Park,
4: we were counting on that $80,000 to go strictly to Pierce Creek. Um, I was highly disappointed, obviously, um, because we we had the plan in place, counting on these funds. Um, and then, in the you know, after a year goes by, we have to kind of revamp the whole idea on how we're going to take care of it.
0: In July of 2022, Schwab says the county received a report from the Iowa Department of Natural Resources noting deficiencies with the dam and spillway. However, he adds that the work is rather extensive to do in-house on and around the spillway.
4: Which is basically that creek that runs the south part of Pierce Creek Dam that actually comes out of the dam to the road. Um, It's about 15 feet on each side that we have to get cleared out and for the whole length of the creek, which is, I believe, about 60 feet. Um, So it's a significant amount of vegetation that we have to remove. Then they also pointed out there's some concrete issues with the spillway itself just from erosion. Um, and then erosion on the north side of the dam on the water line has to be addressed as well.
0: Additionally, due to the project more or less falling under routine maintenance, grant funding is limited. Thus, the county's looking into utilizing REAP funds, which are allocated to the county from the state. While they have nearly $33,000 in the REAP account, Schwab says the project costs would utilize the entire amount.
4: If we had to use our REAP account, if we're allowed to, it would deplete our REAP account, which we once intend not to do because we use that for major improvements. That's kind of what the The REAP is for for conservation is for major improvements that we can't get out of our normal budget. Um, So it, it would be a setback if we had to do it, but we could still possibly fix the dam. If
0: REAP is off the table, Schwab adds, they also have some funds built up in the reserve fund, which primarily consists of donations. The Schwab says they plan to do as much as possible within their own or other county departments before hiring a contractor. Glenwood City officials are exploring using some tax increment financing to help with redevelopment efforts at the shuttered Glenwood Resource Center campus. Meeting in regular session this week, the Glenwood City Council instructed City Administrator Amber Farnan to begin conversations on designating a portion of the campus as an urban renewal area. With the designation, the city would be able to utilize tax increment financing to redevelop infrastructure on the campus. Councilmember Lori Meade Smithers, who serves on the budget and finance committee, says the urban renewal idea was recommended by officials the Iowa Economic Development Authority.
1: It has been recommended uh, for us in moving forward to um, designate the GRC campus as an urban renewal zone Uh, to get that process started now would be more beneficial for the city.
0: Smithers says in order to get the designation and financing in place the city needs to start the process soon.
1: It doesn't commit us to doing anything it just makes that um, an urban renewal area for whatever's to come up there in the future for development.
0: Numerous plans have been circulated for the 380-acre campus that's slated to close in 2024. In a recent interview with KMA News, Glenwood School Superintendent Devin Embray says the school district has its sights set on an innovation center on part of the campus. We're
4: looking at the, taking over the administrative building that's up on the hill and converting that into our innovation center uh, where we're going to put in place cybersecurity, robotics, and digital mass communications and hopefully firefighter one and two in that program for the fall of 24. However, it sits on a centralized power plant, and we would have to move it off of that power plant in order to have it independent from the
0: other buildings. In May, HDR Incorporated of Omaha held a series of workshops to gather public input for the future of the campus. In a previous interview, Mills County Economic Development Director Andrew Rainbolt said one idea that gained traction involved multiple forms of housing on the site, giving its proximity to Highway 34.
4: Have some uh, redevelopment
1: of existing buildings. A lot of them have were built as, as residential buildings, and so hopefully we can redevelop those into some you know uh, affordable and potentially some market rate multifamily uh, all along the spectrum. Uh, to part of the campus is a vision to be you know kind of some high end
4: estate housing.
0: An effort's also underway to convert part of the campus into a veterans housing facility. Rainbolt says the ultimate decision for that would be up to state officials, but that space could be set aside for redevelopment with a potential project in the future. Also this week, after seven years at the helm, it marked the end of Dr. Tim Mitchell's tenure as the superintendent in the Red Oak School District. Hired in 2016, Mitchell came to Riverside after serving as superintendent in Chamberlain in Rapid City, South Dakota. He spent 40 years in public education. Dr. Stephanie Anderson takes his place. That starts today. That wraps up this week in KMA Land. Be listening each week at this time for This Week in KMA Land. And for more information all the time, you can log on to KMALand.com, where you can also hear this program in its entirety. For the entire KMA News team, this is Ryan Matheny filling in for Mike Peterson. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend.